Hello, welcome back to Scuttlebutt. I'm Nick. I'm here with Vic. Hello. And Will. Howdy. And we are coming off the heels of the uh, the Ukraine invasion episode. Uh, we threw that together real quick. Uh, I hope that everybody got something out of that. Um, but as we're recording right now, we don't know. We still don't know how that's going to play out. So let's move on to business as usual, I guess. <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> chaos <laughs> is our business as usual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's quite possible. I mean, what? Two episodes ago, three episodes, we talked about a coup. Yeah, in, in Africa. Africa. Yeah. Now we're <laughs> yeah. talking about an invasion of Ukraine, and now we're going to talk, uh, what does it all mean? Yeah, yeah. preserved for you right doctrine. here. Doctrine, mm. doctrine, doctrine. Ooh, doctrine. <laughs> You're speaking somebody's language. Yeah, it's yeah. just not mine. It's just not mine either. <laughs> like we said in the other episode, man, I just open up my mouth and stuff comes tumbling out sometimes. Yeah, okay. It happens. Now let's, uh, let's just jump right into it. We don't have a whole lot on the plate today, but. Um, Lately, the Gazette editorial office scuttlebutt has been revolving around the latest of these maneuverist papers that have been published in the Gazette. Now, for someone who has no idea, the Gazette is a professional journal for Marines to publish ideas and thoughts and, you know, future casting, taking lessons from the past, right? Like, just place to just share ideas and like get stuff out there right exactly a professional open forum journal journal basically yep and the maneuverist papers we're up to number 19 now coming out in april yep um are a special section of those uh, that have been running for uh, almost a year a year and a half now uh can you uh, wha- who wants to take this? Yeah, certainly. They so they, s- they started coming out in uh, September of 2020, and we've been releasing them monthly. And then there's actually been several articles written directly in response to the Maneuvers papers, and there's also been articles written by um, so the by Marinus, who's the author of the Maneuvers papers, and he's actually written articles in response to a lot of uh, stuff that he's been getting back. And there's been also a lot of writings appearing in the uh, in the um, comment or not sorry not comment the uh, letters to the editor section of the gazette so it's actually it's generated a, a, a very good buzz and i have as a historian who studied the marine corps gazette some of the best periods of innovation and thinking occur when you can when there's actually a lot of going on in the comments uh not sorry comments the uh, letters to the editor like a vibrant letters to the editor section means there's a lot of back and forth discussion and ideas and then people will write articles based on on on, on the on those discussions so it's really cool so just to provide context to some of our listeners who haven't read any of the maneuverist papers yet. I'm going to go ahead and read the uh, first two paragraphs of the first one just to, just to set the scene to figure out like, what we're talking about and where the discussion was going. So, this article is the first in a series we call the maneuverist papers, discussing maneuver warfare doctrine in the Marine Corps. Under the leadership of Commandant General Alfred M. Gray, the Marine Corps first codified maneuver warfare as service doctrine with the 1989 publication of Fleet Marine Force Manual 1, Warfighting. Although the significant intellectual effort that produced the underlying concepts had begun well over a decade earlier, in 1997, General Charles C. Krulak oversaw the revision of warfighting at MCDP-1, which clarified and elaborated on select ideas from the original, but did not change the essence of maneuver warfare in any way. Maneuver warfare doctrine has served the Marine Corps for over three decades. Much has happened in those years, especially two lengthy wars that saw significant changes in the conduct of warfare. In contrast, during the same periods of of time, U.S. Army doctrine has evolved from air-land battle to full-dimensional operations to full-spectrum operations to now unified land operations over a span of nine capstone field manuals. 
Now the Marine Corps is set to undertake arguably the most dramatic changes to structure and capabilities in over half a century. Dix be begs the question, is it time for the Marine Corps to revise its doctrine? Several Gazette articles in recent years have argued so. The aim of the Maneuvers Papers is to energize, the, ener energize that conversation. The Maneuvers Papers will continue discussion begun with what we believe about war and warfare in the June Gazette by describing the development of and elaborate on key maneuver warfare concepts, providing a historical concept for the development of war fighting and the maneuver warfare movement in general, and discussing recent changes to the face of war that may justify a doctrinal re uh, revision. Okay, now if you are coming in cold from the outside, yeah, what this is putting maneuver warfare front and center. Now, maneuver warfare includes what, Vic? Well, so it's not even necessarily putting maneuver warfare front and center. It's looking at how we view war, and thus our view will then direct us in the way that we conduct war. Okay. And so what Marinus at least began to do I think in a um, is to walk that ground again. I think with the underlying assumption that they're in support of maneuver warfare, but basically walking the dog so that we all like as almost like a leveling exercise, so that we're all on the same sheet of music, and that we can then talk about before we start arguing about whether or not we uh, maneuver warfare is what we should be doing. I think Marinus is trying to get us on the same page. Like, do we even look? Are we even defining maneuver warfare in the same way? Yeah. So most of the uh, articles for the maneuvers paper that have been released so far, they go through MCDP one and look for concepts and terms or ideas that they believe may be need to like flesh out and clear. Like Vic says, to get everyone on the same page. M so MCDP one is what warfighting. Warfighting. Yeah. And. For those who aren't Marines, uh, it's basically the foundational document, doctrine, that we work off of. Everything that we do as a Marine Corps should, very emphasis on should, be uh, nested or rooted within MCDP-1. And I like how you said should, but I, I think a part of it also involves the fact that, um, for the most part, it's a pretty it, it's it's a very flexible doctrine at least my understanding of it and that's like what it's like its key strength is is yeah. is flexibility yeah. so and i i think like tr as a historian you know like um I, I, there's always like this famous quote that i see like every once in a while like talking like during world war Two, and it's like you know the, the americans are hard to understand because they don't follow their doctrine right and i think like we've i think the, the one of the best things or coolest things about mcdp1 war fighting is that the way the Marine Corps does fight is almost to, to be unpredictable and, and, and to thrive in that, which is yeah. interesting within itself. And, and, and I think that, you know, this, what you're saying about the fact that it's hard to know what Americans and Marines in particular are going to do because we don't actually stick to our doctrine. And I think that actually ACMAC said that at one point um, at that luncheon. Yeah. But at the same time, I think this is also rooted in the whole diversity of thought. Yes, and I think the MCDP one facilitates that. Um, there, at no point is it so rigid that it says, "Hey, no matter what you're seeing on the battlefield, here it is. Here's your your prescribed checklist of things you're supposed to do." I think it, it offers that flexibility, but it also lends itself to needing constant refinement or reevaluation because of the fact that there's so much going on. And uh, I think Dr. Hunziker talked about this in uh, Dying to Learn, is, is that 
there are so many things that need to be in place in order for a maneuver warfare ethos to be part of your culture um, that, yeah, so your platoon commanders, company commanders, even your battalion commanders may be conducting maneuver warfare in a certain way, but that isn't translating or isn't getting communicated throughout the force. And so many times people will misinterpret because they're, let's maybe say, uh, looking for surfaces and gaps in the enemy line that they're conducting maneuver warfare. But when you look at how they're actually executing that warfare, they're actually still doing attrition warfare. They're just mm-hmm. being able to fo- focus it in certain other places. But that doesn't mean that it's necessarily in opposition to MCDP-1. It just – there's a ton of ambiguity, flexibility, and uh, uh, allowing commanders to make that mm-hmm. call uh, on the ground. And so, Well, my understanding of it, too, is when I was um – doing my uh, master's thesis quote-unquote thesis um looking through like a lot of like the the discussions going un- into before fmf 1 sorry fmf yeah fm1 uh, warfighting was released talking about like what's the best way like the best tools i guess to study and apply maneuver warfare and there's a lot of back and forth i think they're they're both right to some extent where you need to like you know study history study the past but also uh study new technology and 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 to to learn and understand manu- uh, maneuver warfare, you need to be able to do both. Understand the advantages that new technology offers, while at the same time understanding how that sort of style of of fighting was applied in the past. And then, like, if you're able to marry the two effectively, then your for- then your military force can um, perform maneuver warfare better. Right, right. And so, where it maybe um, will uh, depart from, say, attrition warfare. Or I don't even know if there is a term for what the Chinese are doing right now, but we just call it the sort of the the long war. I get well, we we called that. That's what we just called it. We came out of long, mm-hmm. but if you the long game mm-hmm. that China is playing, you know the the um, um, the idea like Sun. If you take Sun Tzu versus Clausewitz, for example, um, you know tempo is a, is a big one. Now tempo doesn't always. Uh, directly translate or doesn't directly um, match speed, but obviously speed is a is a is a major factor. But you also don't want to outpace yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so with tempo, there's pacing, there's speed, things you have to consider. Um, obviously, when you're exploiting a gap, there's a certain amount, a level of attrition that's going to have to occur. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it would be awesome if you could just like drive past something and then have it, not have it matter anymore. Uh, we saw even in, in Iraq where we had such tempo and such momentum that we had too much speed. And we ended up with, like, company-sized units, like, way in the back because we just bypassed them. And that was great for the frontline guys, but it didn't do a mm-hmm. whole lot helping out, like, say, artillery batteries mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> who had to set up 10 clicks, you know, behind the flot, uh, the forward line of troops to have effective fires. And then, you know, you've got mm-hmm. – you know, two company size elements of guys that just you just drove right past them. So, it, there's a ton of stuff that we that comes into maneuver warfare, which is why many militaries just don't even want to bother with it because there's so many things you have to consider. Exactly, and especially as we were talking Russia uh, or an informer Soviet style, where you know command and control is so centralized. There's just a 
there's a lot of discomfort with allowing that kind of flexibility at the lower level. Yeah, you need a lot mm -hmm. of trust down to the lower, lower level. And I, I think also that's, that's one of the, the benefits of the Marine Corps, especially studying the Marine Corps history and like the esprit de, de corps that it has, like the, like the, the trust and support in it to, to, to do what, what needs to be done. Yeah, but, and then, you know, there's also, I mean, there's, yeah, there's a ton of trust, um, but there's a ton of training. Yeah, I mean a ton of training, and for anybody uh, in the combat arms, uh, you know that's uh, that's that's true. Well, Vic, then let me let me let me let me pick pick your head a little bit. I mean, uh, how much of of maneuver warfare were was uh, trained or beat into you? You know, when you were going through. Well, again, training? it's like you know, thinking back on it, you know, now having you know been a few years out of uniform, just looking back, it's like I know we said the words a lot. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if we were really doing it though because uh, to be fair it is a a very in-depth complicated concept and like do you think it's just like you know like for like these these young lieutenants the like like the like the a lot of the terms and terminology used is it just like does it require just like more more time to study than there's available or is it just like you know here's the overall but like try to practice it in certain ways like what do you feel mm, man that's such a good question uh because it's, I mean, I, I've, as being the associate editor for Gazette for three years now, it's taking me, it took me at least probably a year and a half to two years of m repeatedly reading different articles and then eventually having to do my own research to actually truly grasp what's going on here. Yeah. Um, I think that we have the, I think we have the culture to make it work as good as you're going to be able to do it at the scale that we need to do it at. Okay. Um, we have this uh, extremely robust and influential um, uh, center of excellence in, in TCOM. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Marine Corps Training Command, uh, Training and Education Command, dude, they are on top of all of this stuff, and they have that intellectual curiosity that uh, Andy Milburn was talking about that really wants to ensure that the doctrine and the foundations for the way that we conduct war are being is being not only uh, well thought out but then properly disseminated and that there is a unif unification or as Dr. Hunziker mentioned there's that there is a highly centralized um, network there that is going to make sure that we aren't crossing the streams all every time we go into the training area like mm -hmm. you have your uh your ttps your tactics techniques and procedures are all the same coming from tcom you have your after action reports that are being read and then filtered out you have your training manuals and your field manuals are all coming from the same place they're all saying the same things and they're all nested within one another. So you don't have like uh, one group saying, well, you know, tanks are your main effort. Or and then another would say, well, no, we're, we do everything based on the infantry. Or like, oh, no, you, you can't do logistics and you can't do fighting, you know. So it's like, no, everything, there are those conversations, but they're in that one spot. Mm -hmm. And that everything else then is mm -hmm. being filtered. So I think from that aspect, we're doing very, very well. And, and we're well set up to do maneuver warfare in that problem i guess yeah what's 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 the catch yeah, so where the ca yeah where the the caveat to that is is that sometimes the 
once it's disseminated, then the 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 translation or its the application interpretation, interpretation yeah. is starting to turn into adaptation, mm-hmm. and then the, the the defining of the terms is getting lost. And where people may be saying maneuver warfare all the time, really what they're talking about is do the checklist that I have for this evaluation, mm-hmm. and then I will check all this stuff off, and then I'll certify you as got, as you guys good to go. And it's like. Well, what about like that's all well and good yeah. if you're in the range 400 series and you have the same pop ups and you have mm-hmm. the same, but like, are we really teaching commanders at the tactical level to do that level of evaluation on the go where you are talking tempo, you are talking mm-hmm. uh, overwhelming fires, you are talking speed, uh, you know, you're talking violence of action, like all of these things are happening, but yet your evaluators are holding a clipboard with a checklist on it and so it's mm-hmm. like is that still maneuver warfare i don't you know yeah. I, how and how much are we allowing people to make these mistakes yeah on the practice field so they don't make them at game time and i guess just from my a- anecdotally you know i would say that we applied maneuver warfare very well as a core in oif1 mm-hmm. but then what happened in the next 11 years is mm-hmm. we <laughs> were yeah. in Essentially, land-based EABs yeah. surging forces out from FOBs. Speaking of, of training, wasn't there like an exercise recently where like the Marine, uh, the Marine Corps got like a Marine unit got pretty beat down by the uh, the Op Four recently, like uh, within the past couple of months or so, or a year maybe. I don't know. I, I mean. I, I'm not, I can't, that's also I can't not to say to that. that like getting nose isn't close enough to the ground for yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's also not to say that I mean getting beaten. Obviously, training, they should yeah. actually. I it's, don't see that uh, uh, that shouldn't be a pariah. It's, that, yeah, that, it's not yeah. a bad thing. It's a good thing because it, you rather get beaten training and learn lessons, and then mm-hmm. you know again like with this checklist approach of like, did you do this? Like, yeah, you. I mean, it's like the it's old moniker, man. Like you bleed in training so you don't die in war, mm-hmm. yeah. and I think that. I think that's good, and what what I hope had happened in that or any situation where that is, is is that because commanders are allowing their junior leaders to make mistakes, mm-hmm. yeah. like be bold, try something new, Ma- you know, evaluate what's happening on the ground, and then make a dis- be, be decisive, yeah. mm-hmm. and then do the quality control, and then yeah. do your hot wash yeah. after, yeah. yeah. I mean, sure, if you get wire brush, that's mm-hmm. all well and good, but I mean, it shouldn't be like a career killer or allow you yeah. relieving people left and right because the op four, you know, mm-hmm. smacked you around a little bit. I mean, I, I understand too. Op fours have the benefit of like they know the ground, right? Mm-hmm. Usually, mm-hmm. they're uh, they're organic to the base. They're working with stuff that they know. They know the ground. I mean, it's just like attacking a country, man. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. you're at a disadvantage. Your yeah. defense is, I mean, that's why it's three to one. Yeah, we also don't know what the uh, parameters were of the training exercise. No, and also like, I don't even know, you know like, the, the name of it. Yeah, like, yeah. This is I, like, know, I know it happened, and I think it was a Marine Corps unit, and I think I think they got wiped pretty bad. But, like, again, like, uh, you see on, like, American news media, people are like, oh, oh we're going to Oh, you know, get Andy yeah. Milburn mentioned something yeah. about that. Some SAS guys came into town and, like, whooped on, uh, you know, I don't know, one of the r- regiments pretty Yeah, bad. but, like, and, like, you see the, like, American news media, like, oh, America's going to stop. Like, no, like, it's okay to lose exercises. That's the point. Like, they set them up to lose, right? Set, yeah, like, but they should be rigged for them to lose. Yeah. And if you succeed, that should be, like, a, a crazy good thing. But, like, it's, it's well, supposed a lot to of teach times, lessons. I mean, a lot of times you don't even learn as much from success because you get a bunch of attaboys and mm-hmm. then you're out the door. Yeah. And it's like, well, 
did they just get lucky? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that yeah. happens. I mean, you can't learn a lot from luck. Well, that's like when they misreport, like, the F-35 losing to an F-14 in an exercise. And what they don't tell you is that the F-35 was at half power, had only had one missile, and, like, yeah, they yeah. set it. They just set it up completely against it. And as soon mm-hmm. as they triggered that the navigation system failed, too, it was like, oh, of course the F-14 won. It was at full strength. But, but yeah, I guess, I mean, yeah. at, at the end of the day, I, I'm probably not a good um, person to ask about you know, do we do maneuver warfare mm-hmm. uh, for my time in? But I will say that there is a definite um, – there's a, there's a need for a leveling exercise mm-hmm. so that when we say maneuver warfare, we're all talking about the same thing. Yeah. I think, you know, if you put, you know, five Marines in a room and you say, what is maneuver warfare, you might end up with five different answers. Yeah, there's one of the uh, letters the editor uh, we got for one of the more recent editions. Actually, it might be the w- – the, uh, the uh, which one I call it? Which one are we doing next? <sighs> April or May? I forget, man. It's, well, April's going to hit the shells. What? It, I mean, we're we're finalizing. We're it, finalizing right? April. Yeah. So yeah, in yeah. The, in the upcoming April edition, like this, uh, one of our uh, letters to the editor talked about, like you know, he wor- he re- he's retired, works for an um, association, I guess, helps uh, veterans and Marines or something, and he asked like everyone, like, hey, like what? Just a part of the interview question, like, what are your thoughts on maneuver warfare? Like, what's or, or, sorry? He asked specifically, what's the Marine Corps doctrine, and then goes from there in like the interview process for uh, for this uh, job, and it's pretty interesting to see where he. He thinks it, it hasn't been institutionalized enough if people retirees aren't able to answer. But if what? you have, yeah, if any of us, any of y'all out there has any uh, ideas or in the Marine Corps right now and would like to discuss this, please write yeah. an article, hit us up. Or well, I think an interesting thing too is like if you were to ask someone, okay, what's maneuver warfare? Like even if they get the answer, quote unquote, right, mm-hmm. if you then ask them, well, what's attrition warfare? I'm not other than saying. Hey, we're just gonna line up and kill yeah. everybody because they th- they think attrition yeah. warfare, I, it was civil doc- war. Like, yeah, Doctor yeah. Hunziker mentioned yeah. this. Like, dude, just because everybody's in trenches doesn't mean there wasn't they weren't conducting maneuver warfare. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, uh, dude, don't get me started on maneuver warfare in the civil war, dude. That's yeah. I could have so, a good I mean, time with that. A lot of people just say, well, if a bunch of people are dying, then that must have been attrition warfare. Well, there was attrition mm-hmm. in the warfare, that's for sure. And so, <laughs> yeah, I think I, I, again, I, I think just people hear the terms maneuver yeah. and attrition and think things, but like. There is maneuver in attrition warfare. There's attrition in maneuver warfare. Um, yeah. So and, and then and then I, so what to even to then? make it even more sticky, ask them, all right, what's the difference between the two? Mm-hmm. So I think and that's and I think that's what gets to what we're talking is is that yes, we talk maneuver warfare. Yes, we have a general understanding of what it is. But I'm not sure how many people could actually tell you the difference between that and attrition warfare mm-hmm. because okay. we don't talk about what attrition warfare is, really, other than it's bad because we do maneuver warfare. <laughs> well, I, I, I was looking at the scholars. I don't think, that, at least for the Marine Corps perspective, I don't think they're not necessarily saying it's bad. It's just not good for the Marine Corps. It's not Corps. what we do. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. It's beca- I mean, because it's a tra- like the Marine Corps will generally traditionally be a smaller, more elite force without as much heavy capability as you know other right. army units. So they need to, to overcome that with maneuver warfare. Which kind of brings so go, taking this back to Marinus a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've had you know up until um, April, it's been pretty much you know investigating these concepts and, and the application of maneuver warfare. And Can then you, I, before we get to uh, yeah. do our punchline here at the end, damn here, it, all right, because you're going to talk <laughs> about that for a hot second. So let's go on the on the on the uh, maneuvers paper journey again, real quick. Okay, okay so. We've started what we kind of talked about where we started. Uh, how much of the man, of the maneuverous papers that we just cover as we were talking about uh, what maneuver warfare is and how I we're implementing that, it? That's stuff. a good. I think it was a pretty decent summary of what's all been going on over the past nineteen 
episodes. Yeah, it's okay. it, it again. It, it's 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 or articles without going like in too much in depth and, and and piecing out each article by article. It just looks at like the intricacies of maneuver warfare and like says this is what we mean when we refer to this. Yeah. Okay. If and then like, going pick... forward, when we had this discussion, this is what we were referring to. All right. And is Clausewitz really the guy that started this all? Like, or was he also talking attrition warfare? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so there's there's those sorts of like really finite discussions about maneuver warfare, but I think generally speaking, we're 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 leading up to where we are at now okay. in nineteen. And if you could pick like just for a casual listener, if you could pick three or so of the papers to just kind of get them up to speed, which ones would they be? The first one. So um, I think one of the ones uh, I particularly like the best. Well, obviously, yeah, definitely the first one's a great place to start at with. But um, the August 2021 edition, I believe, uh, Maneuvers Paper number 11, actually kind of goes into what Vic and I were talking about earlier, the uh, annihilation versus attrition terms and, like, the origins and use and misuse of these in, in the military context. All right, so you just brought annihilation up for the first time. What do we mean by that? So... To, to, I guess uh, not to to put word in merit, uh, words in Meredith's mouth. I, I, the reason why I, again I like this article is because it does show the genealogy of, of these terms and then forces Marines to go in and actually like okay this is what we mean by absolute war, real war, total war, limited war, etc. Et and also provides a great like list of series of, of books and sources. So I'm not going to get too much into that for you. Uh, I want to encourage investigation into this. Okay. Yeah, it's sort of a cop out, right. but it's a good one. That's yeah, it's, yeah. it's a, a legit. Out. Co- yeah, it's legit. It's legit. Because you left it hanging, I guess we'll let it slide this time, Will. But you also he he mentioned two already. Yeah. So I mean the That's two true. two up two uh, articles. So That's true. It's a That's ben- true. it's a Benny. Okay, so that was number eleven. Yep, number eleven. Hopefully, I didn't cut that off too quick. And which uh, Vic, you got another one? Maybe? Yeah, and so I guess just to. So that, to reinforce what I was talking about uh, anecdotally, I would say look at the last one that's in March, the March edition, which is on the shelves now, um, and it's uh, Maneuver's Paper 18, and uh, the title of it is The Institutional Impact of Maneuver Warfare. And so um, you know, just to, to pull a line um, from the article itself, it says, the even greater issue is the question of how thoroughly, widely, and lasting that doctrine has been put into practice by the operating forces. And so I think you know, just to support my own worldview, um, is is that even if things are, even if we are completely or so tight at the TCOM level in, in creating the doctrine, uh, we do need to be aware of how uh, how well the institution is at applying it. Okay. Um, so. All right. Yeah. Probably a very good lead into. I'll finally let you talk about the one coming out in April. Yeah, dude. Okay, so mic yeah. drop moment. So yeah, we up up until uh, the March edition. It's pretty much parsing through terms, ideas, concepts, and then we almost get to like like the punchline that like Marinus set up for us, like the purpose of of the maneuvers papers, and it's um, and it's basically um, it's available. First of all, it is available currently on the Gazette blog. So go out and and, and check it out. The uh, next maneuvers paper. And it will be published in the April edition of the Marine Corps Gazette. But um, the title is Expeditionary Advanced-Based Operations. The subtitle is, Is the Marine Corps Abandoning Maneuver Warfare? Like the da-da-da. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here it is, man. Yeah, this is the – if you're talking about plot development, this is the climax, right? Like we've had – you know, the – we've identified the problem. 
We're now in conflict, and now we're past conflict. Yeah. We're like into the climate. Took a year and a half yeah. to like figure out hey, everything. Man, you gotta know all the backstories. <laughs> like. Slow roll. But yeah, they lulled us into a false sense of security, then just slapped us upside the face. And why are we slapped upside the face? Um, well, so I, I think, and especially as it applies to what's going on right now um, in uh, you know uh, Eastern Europe, is what does our potential misunderstanding of what MCDP1 says and what our understanding of maneuver, maneuver warfare is, has it led us to this place where to compete with a peer or near-peer competitor, are we, have we lost sight of what it is of our, our found one of our foundational documents and that is MCDP one war fighting. Are are we completely out of the maneuver warfare game now in okay. setting up uh, expeditionary advanced bases? So at face value, just hearing the word expeditionary advanced base, it sounds pretty maneuvery. So how is that running in the face of MCDP one? I would argue a little bit against that. I think the term bases in itself might be you could it's the third uh, word. Expeditionary sounds very expeditionary to me. sounds <laughs> advanced. Advanced like is good. Cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but then then you hit the word base, and that's when I, where I think a lot of, of, of people are kind of slackening to that idea because is is, is that is does is having a base, you know, well, so a, a fixed position. If I can give you mm-hmm. a little pushback, I think initially, I think that there was almost consensus that this is a good thing to do. When you're talking concept of stand-in forces, and you're talking about being in position. Oh yeah, I'm not disagreeing with that at all. I'm just. But uh, I, I think I think yeah. I think you're. I think people are losing. They're losing the flavor mm-hmm. of this uh, in light of now that s- some folks have had a chance to you know rub it on their gums a little bit and, and let it you know seep in. Um, they're wondering, hey, hold well, on. <laughs> yeah, well, because because the the uh, expeditionary expeditionary advanced base concept came out, like you know, as we're getting out of the Middle East, and like the Marine Corps, after every time it gets out of a conflict, it has an, almost an identity struggle, and I think people just like the fact that there that this was an identity. It made sense. The mission to support the Navy. Yep. Yep. There's it's part of an overall plan. We get, we it's something to work forward to. It's in an island chain, so that's got to be amphibious. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then uh, again, as as time training happens, and then more discussions in the Marine Corps Gazette. Uh, well, we're uh, investing, we're divesting. People are like, mm-hmm. wait a minute. Yeah. It's like I like this idea, but where'd my tanks go? Yeah. Gotta bring those back. So in. wait, I don't have artillery. Mm-hmm. Uh, got got to keep the tubes, man. Like, right. oh, so wait, we're like part of w- the part of the way. And I'll, I'll just say I, as in Vic, understand maneuver warfare is like heavy on suppressive fire, fire and maneuver, right? So yeah. you're, you're – am I going to do that with multi-million dollar munitions instead of like just a bunch of like metal mm-hmm. things that I could just lob yeah. at people at like – like can I really maintain suppressive fire with rockets and rockets missiles? They're very expensive yeah. if I just like, you know – bullet-shaped pieces of metal. Yeah, uh, just firing for effect, just like you can. So Yeah, and like, how am I going to do smoke obscuration with a tomahawk? Right. <laughs> like, that's pretty expensive, dude. Blow it up. It's <laughs> so like, okay, wait a minute. 
Um, and so, yeah, I think some folks are starting to and, – and, and, and to your point about Marinus sort of leading us to this place, I think Marinus saw this 19 months ago. Oh, easily, easily. The, uh, the, many of these articles were probably even written before we got them, like well before. Like for sure, and I think that like once you know the scuttlebutt started getting around at the at that higher echelon about what the co- commandant's wanting to do and what his operational vision is, I think yeah, like these people who you know can read the chicken bones pretty quickly were like, whoop, let's gear this up. And let's give them the slow, the slow drip on this thing so we can craft this argument mm-hmm. in a way that isn't just seen as being contradictory. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It, it, I mean, it's it's the best way to to, it, to, to, to express an argument, you know, mm-hmm. like, like doing all your research and having like you're checking all your all your corners and dotting your eyes and crossing your T's and such. Yeah. So um, I guess. Yeah. So what is the article? In essence arguing here i i is it just a rhetorical or do they are they getting at something well that's the thing this is not gonna be the last one we 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 know this for sure so i think i think what they're now doing is trying to then open the doors more and towards rather discussion of maneuver warfare which is previously especially again looking at the letters to the editor from the gazette the conversation's geared more towards talk about maneuver warfare now i think the tone of the discussion is going to change it's almost like another chapter to the to the maneuvers paper series and now now expeditionary advanced space operations are now going to be, I guess, a, a primary focus in relation to a whether it is or isn't maneuver warfare and then like the validity of the concept. And I think have people who, you know, are, are firmly entrenched in the idea of maneuver warfare or, you know, it doesn't, I don't think it's necessarily against expeditionary advanced space operations, but I think they're arguing that if this is the way forward, then we need a new doctrine because what we have doesn't support it. And that's, I, th- I, I, th- I that's, that's the the case they're they're making. Yeah. So I mean, I guess to quote then, so that we're not putting words in their mouth, we're actually using what they're saying. Yeah. So I'll just, you know, we'll Tarantino this again. I'll right. go with the conclusion, and then we'll work our way back to, towards it. But um, you know, they're basically saying, if EABO is going to be the future of the Marine Corps, does our warfighting doctrine need to change to support EABO? Based on assumptions about the nature of war that run counter to MCDP one. The EABO concept has little need for maneuver warfare. Boom! Microphone drop. So, so what are we talking with about? With that, then? closing yeah. it out. Where? What? What? What preceded? Yeah, this? what preceded this? Um, I, I don't know. Do you want to try to? T- I, I have a couple points that I want to touch on, but I don't want to. Do you, William? Do you want to? Talk the, a what little bit. We mean like what, pre- like the previous article, or uh, yeah, yeah, before, yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah, beginning of the this thing. Like, yeah, so, so what, what, what did they shape so that that was the problem? So, so how are EABO and MCDP one incompatible with each other? So again, let me uh, again. I'm, I'm I'm gonna put their words in. Um, but um, highlighters, man. Yeah, yeah, I need invest. <laughs> Well, they, l- while you're looking at that, let me let me talk about some of the points that I thought were, were extremely germane to this conversation, um, and some of the things that um, and it w- you know, through amphibiosity, I think we've touched on mm-hmm. some of these things too, and 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 I think through our amphibiosity um, uh, conversations that we've had, I think the the prevailing theme has been. The expeditionariness mm-hmm. of the Marine Corps, not its amphibiosity. Yeah, uh, that it is really m- 
kept to uh, what it is that we are as a Marine Corps and not just a second land army. Um, but where it runs into some prickly points, though, is is that um, it 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 is almost taking the lessons learned from a land war and just applying it into the Pacific. And so, one of the things I thought was very was was uh, I thought, thought was a very profound, obviously from Marinus, but um, a, an analysis they had was that it says here, you know, implementing the strategy will require that the EABs be in position before the onset onset of hostilities. I think that that is a point that maybe we haven't necessarily really taken a look at, and that and that is, in order for this operational concept to work, clearly. And I understand, look, we're all in the WES. Like, even here in Q-Town, we're in the weapon, you know, the, uh, the weapon engagement zone. zone. Mm-hmm. So, w- technically, yes, we're all stand-in forces. But then you apply the concept, again, coming from TCOM, the concept of stand-in forces. These guys have to be in place before hostilities in order to be mm-hmm. effective. Mm-hmm. The only other thing you could really potentially do is have them sort of on call. And then when the balloon goes up, you surge them in, and then somehow... Against weathering fire. Let's just just say that you have that sort of lag time, which you won't. But let's just assume somehow uh, our pacing threat is not fully prepared to start engaging... And you have a bit of a – so it's not dodgeball, right, the beginning right. of dodgeball where everybody's running to the center and trying to grab as many balls as you can. So you actually do have a little bit of leg time to, to get those forces in. They've got to be ready to rock and roll pretty quickly and then be self-sustaining. And so you're now bringing all of that that is required to get them established – into not just within a WES at a, like a strategic level, but at the operational the tactical, tactical yeah. level. Yeah. And you're bringing a lot of forces under some like extreme duress. And um, and then you now ha- are trying to set up an expeditionary base that is supposed to yeah, with supported supply lines be ready to engage yeah. enemy forces as soon as they get basically step yeah. foot boots on the ground. And so that's, that's, a, that's extremely, extremely challenging. And then, all right. So let's just say that you are able to get it. And so the, the other con, the other thought is, is that, well, if we get them in before hostilities begin, if they're already in place, are we creating the exact conflict that we're trying to deter? Mm-hmm. Because our pacing threat's not, probably not going to be too stoked on three marine <laughs> regiment size, you know, marine a regimental size marine elements. Well, I th- I th- within spreading the out on the local chain. Chain. yeah. yeah. Like. Well, <laughs> I think that part of it also is like, are, or are we just facing the reality of the situation and and doing the the most realistic thing that we actually need to do to 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 do that? Because from my from my layman non marine understanding of EAB and EABOs, or sorry, EABs and EABO, is the idea essentially we know. Because China is obviously building islands and and bases throughout the South China Sea because they claim it's their own, it's it's theirs, and it's their their best way to um, you know, expand through the world because I think like eighty percent of Chinese trade is over water. So I think that isn't the base of the concept is in the event of like conflict, is just essentially almost to create an anti-axis area denial zone around their anti-axis area denial zone, 
yeah. and 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 just choke them off from the rest of the world. Correct. I mean that that's essentially it. So I mean it, it, it's a it's a, a blockade, but just on islands mm-hmm. instead of mm-hmm. with a bunch of ships. Um, and so that when it comes to force projection, it's that level of deterrence. It it closes the gap between. You know, because so the highest level deterrence obviously is the nuclear threat. No one, uh, yeah, that's, no one wants no that. One wants that. <laughs> but right now, from a conventional standpoint, what do we have to offer that really is deterring? Clearly, in Europe, Nothing. it wasn't enough. Yeah. yeah. So, do we have that in the Pacific? And I think what the commandant is trying to answer that is trying to close that chasm and say, if we can do this thing. And like you said, basically create a blockade and to choke them off so they can't – not only do we deny them access to trade, uh, but we deny them access to project power. Yes. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's literally, like literally drawing a line in the sand. Like we – based on like the maps of like your yeah. island, like well, you, your, your bases, here's where you have, but we're going to just exclude – like right. you can't go further than this. You can stay in your ports, but as soon as you leave – whether it's to the, the over the Strait of Taiwan or through the South China Sea, we're going to choke you out. Like we're either going to start sinking ships or denying access or like mm-hmm. shooting planes out of the sky mm-hmm. or whatever it is. But we're going to create this bubble that protects our interests, our allies, and denies you yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which is, a, a, again, like in this world and as we're trying to define ourselves, I think that's the right Worldview to have yeah. or the the, w- the way that you want to project your power, because to just to say, well, we're just gonna have three carrier groups rolling around your area all the time. Like, mm-hmm. dude, that's expensive, and especially in, in when you realistically don't you see them as a peer competitor, yeah. but not necessarily a actual conflict is in, is imminent. And if China can set up a few missile silos within range of Taiwan and just turn them on, and then we just have carriers just. There all the time, yeah. At a heightened readiness, mm-hmm. like and they just leave it on. They but that costs them like nothing. But also, their yeah. AT A two A D yeah. threat is f- robust. Yeah. I mean, so I mean, you sink just one carrier. Yeah, dude, that's gnarly. Like, I, <laughs> yeah, and and like, that, that's, that's that that's a bad look. That's, man. that's, a, and I, I'm that's not a lot high, of money, yeah. a lot of personnel, a lot of. But also, I'm not highly knowledgeable on, on the current status of, of the American Navy. But after reading like some Gazette articles, maybe like, the past few months, a year, it's the, the idea that like giant aircraft carriers may not be the future of, of the Navy. It may need to get small and dispersed just based Sub- on the the missile, subsurface. the yeah. subsurface and missile threat. Yeah, it sounds like small and dispersed is kind of the direction the Marine Corps is trying to go too. So that kind of mm-hmm. lines up. But yeah, it's so. But I do think that like. There's only so much of this muscle flexing that we're going to be able to do mm-hmm. before we hit somebody else's trigger line. Yeah. Where they're just like, can't, cannot allow you to do this. Um, and so, I mean, so, I mean, if you just think the optics of like, so you're pulling out of Okinawa, mm-hmm. it, but all of a sudden we're to surge back and then with a bunch of like, anti-access missile site like yeah i mean even if you can disguise those or hide them and that's the other Mm -hmm. issue too is like how do you displace you know because i mean 
it, it, you're it's occupying the you. space. Like, it's, yeah, it's like, like the old. It's like the the joke that I love to hear about the Survivor series. Like we're you know the whole idea. Like we're so entitled that we're having this game show where people have to survive in this place, but there are already people living there. Yeah. <laughs> like how hard can it? Okay. Mm-hmm. so, anyways, but so that's the other thing. There's people living there. Yeah. And now, like, a really against maybe their best interests without putting them in a significant threat, man. Like, mm-hmm. hey, when this when we start getting bombed, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> they could land anywhere. I don't – yeah, so yeah. it's tough, man, to think that, like, well, we can just go and set up. Mm-hmm. And if the plan isn't to just already be there, then, like, we do – now we are talking about the beginning of Dodgeball. It's like, dude, geographically – they're a lot closer to the center line where the balls are than we are. Yeah, and every like uh, and every uh, simulation I've ever seen or anything, they can throw so much. They wipe out like eighty percent of what's floating out there anyway. Because so. we have to float to yeah. get there, man. So I mean, and you just you're totally in that striking distance just of, of their yeah their anti ship. Yeah. It's also a matter of like you know like it it's with this day and age and then the just how quickly you know missiles and things can travel it's 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 like who has who strikes first will have a significant advantage and it's at, w- at what point are we going to reach like, like you mentioned earlier Vic like what point are we going to reach like their point of no return yeah. and i mean it's uh, i mean it just shows the the fragile international order that we have currently ongoing and again exacerbated by the whole ukrainian situation now people are seeing like Oh, maybe I can push buttons harder than I thought people could, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I think we've shown that our chart lines aren't quite as close to the close to the canoe as yeah. people <laughs> thought they might have been. Yeah. Um, well, and I think also, too, I think something that we need to um, consider as we're talking, um, you know, maneuver warfare and EABO is, is that ability to, um, yeah, so to be flexible. Um, so let's just say having a bunch of, uh, you know, MLRs, you know, o- only a few hundred miles away from what they consider to be their territory isn't a necessarily a trigger line. They don't want to escalate things beyond that. So let's say we can in place in time. What does that mean then for our ability to do what we traditionally, yeah. what we traditionally have done is that is be that 911 force. And be able to respond, so we're, we're having to assume some risk, and so mm-hmm. we either say, "Dude, we're not going to play in Europe, like at all," mm-hmm. or we'll give you some teams, maybe a platoon or so that can do some shake some things up. I mean, I think we saw a lot of success in talking to Andy Milburn about what a Marine task force can do mm-hmm. but it won't be a, the normal task force size i mean we're, we're talking it's got to be smaller because you've already got mlrs regimental size units sp- spread throughout this first island chain um i mean it's a significant manpower commitment mm-hmm. so now your muse are smaller so there's only certain things that they can do so you're having to just basically say like our commitment to the joint force is eab we don't do crisis response anymore or you've only got enough on here to like evacuate. You only got enough on this ARG, this amphibious writing group to like evacuate an embassy, maybe do a very small scale Neo Mm -hmm. non-combatant evacuation. But 
I mean, you're not going to be able to respond to most brush fire stuff or things that we would consider to be brush mm-hmm. fire stuff. Like a coup, forget about yeah. it, man. It's, it's no. not going to be our game anymore. Um, I like. I don't know. Maybe because I, I, this also could just be like again. Like I, I have. Uh, I'm, I'm more. I definitely more of a historian than a. Uh, no, please let's am, do like, this. Yeah. Is is maybe is it keeping maneuver warfare despite EABO? helpful that way if we have to like any other mission the president wants the marine corps to do that you still have that tactical f- and and strategic flexibility that's been still instilled in, in the marine corps to do things like that and maybe i obviously we don't have as uh, sorry by we i mean the marine corps may not have all the assets it did previously because of eabo but you know attach just an, an army unit or something well, in support well so that i think like, that's what we're talking artillery. we're yeah. gonna have to concede a lot more to the joint force mm-hmm. than what I'm. I'm. I'm not sure we're necessarily comfortable with, or we maybe aren't fully grasping the ramifications mm-hmm. of saying, "Hey, we need help in these other areas that have been traditionally our mission." Mm-hmm. I don't know if we could because the one thing we've I think we've conceded. Colonel Woodbridge was in here talking in one of the amphibiosities. Is like, dude, the the army has ships, a ton mm-hmm. of amphibs. 82nd, 101st, dude, those guys are expeditionary. So do we really want to concede those, our traditional missions, or at least over Mm -hmm. the, you know, since World War II, the missions that we've adopted through the argument for maneuver warfare, do we really want to concede that over to organizations that can do it, Just but they just haven't? Because since we're doing it, they've been free to do other things, like focus on the Soviets and, and do some of these other things. You want to do another amphibiosity episode, don't you? Like, you just want to come in on the pike, ain't it? Yeah. We got Dr. Hunziker on deck, don't we? Do we have him on deck? Yeah, we're talking Taiwan, though. Yeah, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We don't really talk EABO so much. I think we talk Taiwan. Yeah, got to check. Yeah, that was that, – because that was like Taiwan was a big flashpoint that week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah we got to do another amphibiosity episode in, in light of in light of this one coming out. That yeah. Did we not already air that? I don't no, we haven't aired it yet. Oh. It's in the shoot. Yeah, because okay. it's the one that me and uh, Vic and I did remotely. Yeah. So we won't need to – anyway. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I, I so, um, yeah, I guess the thing about it is is that – and I think the commandant has admitted as much, is, is that we're assuming risk on certain things based on the operational picture yeah. of the world right now. Uh, but what I'm afraid of, especially with Ukraine doing what it's doing and Russia doing what it's doing, is is that – because you get it, you can't tell me that like Lithuania and Poland and Hungary aren't like wearing their brown pants right now, like for mm-hmm. sure. We we know for a fact at least Poland definitely is. Yeah, they're, they're committing to like tripling the size of their army or something like that, doubling their amount of missile capacity, all this stuff. They want to be able to, which Ukraine couldn't do, shoot yeah. back over the border. So so I mean, we're either saying like, hey, army, you got this. Yeah. Or we're saying, hey, everything south of the equator, we're just not, we can't play in that anymore because we're going to be doing ABO and we're going to be doing mm-hmm. Europe. And so I know, do you tell like well, Colombia and Venezuela, like, hey, guys, like, play nice for the next 30 years? Or, or hey, Africa, stop having coups. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, whatever you guys are doing, can you figure it out fast? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seriously. Well, historically speaking, I mean, the Marine Corps, for instance, pre World War II, I mean, yeah, we were doing uh, a lot of those small, small war banana wars, but. We were putting a lot of our eggs in baskets in an amphibious operation because the the Marine Corps saw the big pacing threat in terms of Japan and and and, or, and fought against that. But 
they weren't necessarily hugely involved in Europe at that point either. I mean, yeah, I think at D-Day, some of the landing craft people uh, were Marines, but generally speaking, you know, is is holding the Pacific. I think maybe potentially you could argue the Commandant is just seeing like, you know, like our mission will be against China. We view China as a pacing threat, looking at the reality situation. This is how it could happen. And, and so maybe that is it. Maybe like we talked about mm-hmm. in the last episode, maybe we, we brush off the small wars manual. And if you aren't part of EABO, you're doing brush fire fights. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I just I, completely divesting of like that mezzo medium sized conflict. Right? Yeah, yeah like, we're just yeah. going to be super light yeah. everywhere yeah. else. Mm-hmm. And the, everything big is going to uh, an, an exhibitionary mm-hmm. advancement. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a gamble. It's a bet that the that the next war the Marine will be involved in will be Pacific oriented against yeah. China in in terms of great power competition. But is it really a gamble, or is it more of a statement of this is where we'll be regardless? Like, if if it happens, well, I, I then the gamble like, I'm putting that in air quotes pays off. Mm-hmm. Or like, or is it just like well, these are the situations we're now set up for? It pays off in two ways. It either pays off in the sense where it successfully deters China, or it pays yeah. off in the sense where China gets aggressive and then it's successfully applied against it. So, so, so here's one of the things, and in Marinus makes this point, and, and I'll, I'll I'll actually use their word or his words instead of mine. But I think one of the fears that I'm I think I'm, I'm touching on here is is that say we concede. Is, for lack of a better term, we concede to the army some of our more traditional missions, um, and they're very capable to do that. Um, you don't get that back. It's not no. like, hey, once we're through this mm-hmm. thing. So then now, all of a sudden, the way that we have to then compete when we have to, again, reevaluate our identity is going to be yeah. not arguing well, in a what perfect world, too, concept. we might have some more capable allies that may be able to step up some of those roles we've given up anyway, right? So, I don't know. That's a big F. The, the <laughs> so, so what Marinus has to say about that is um, one of the things that he's talking about and, and when he's mentioning operational context, the EABO, is, is that it's one of the problems you're going to face is, is the fundamentals of it. And I think what we're talking about you know, sort of doctrine and ethos is, is that... Um, an EABO, uh, or at least a, a, a competition of expeditionary advanced bases and anti-access, is a warfare reduced to dueling kill webs. He says, warfare is a giant, or warfare. It's reduced to du- dueling kill webs. Warfare as giant Lancaster equation, which we hardly need to point out, is attritional warfare in pure mathematical form. It reflects a mindset not uncommon in the Navy and the Air Force, which see war essentially as a class clash of technologies. As mm. we're talking about how it is that we will emplace, displace, and how we will essentially deny access, I think he's got a real point there, man. It's like we're talking yeah. – and it's sort of the same – And that also be kind of makes the Marine Corps like a, the picket fence of China. Like, But it talks to like well, what we were talking about. Like when I'm talking about obscuration, suppressive fires, do I do that with tomahawks and cruise missiles? Not it's really. Not, no, it's no. not cost effective. It's really not it's that – It's also <laughs> a long time to target too, like – Dude, I don't want to get into, like, crazy sea stories, uh, but a guy I knew one time was working up a target package, and the only thing available because air had to come off station was something, a very expensive munition that 
this person and his team of people used on a dude with a motorcycle. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, get out of town. And because of the ROE, and it was all legal. We had the, the, the or we, that person had the, the judge was there. I mean, it wasn't. Yeah. Um, but because of the ROE and then, like, just the nature of uh, who was allowed to execute missions uh, mm-hmm. on the ground, mm-hmm. this unit couldn't put marines in this guy in the the motorcycle in in the the the, in the travel path in the path they yeah. couldn't couldn't basically do the arrest yeah and the host nation wasn't able to mobilize in time to get this thing done and so legally through all the proper channels got the you know this team got the approval and so used a very very expensive munition for a dude on a motorcycle yeah, it's 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 this cost parity issue that we've seen in a few Marine Corps Gazette articles, miss. especially with um, with the use of you know off the shelf commercial off the shelf uh, essentially the like weapons that you can with, with drone technology and the fact that it's, it's easier and cheaper to produce those versus you know these million dollar missiles. So yeah, so that I mean that gets into like we're replacing tubes with rocket launchers. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's we're now looking at this thing, as Meredith would say, like math, more mathematical than actual maneuver. I don't know. I think that's a valid argument. Maybe. And also, is it? I also, I could, I could be potentially assuming that like it's, they're considering EABO in relation to like open war with China, but China's going to do everything below the threshold of war before they get there. So using their, um, their basically their, like weaponized fishing fleet, you know, of 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 a central like pirates you know, who harass right. other fisher right. fishers mm-hmm. in the area they're gonna you know use those and those assets before they even get to the right. that point so then are you going i mean that, that begs the argument then are you going to use a very expensive low density munition against uh you know basically a speedboat with yeah, a bunch of like machine guns like, and stuff on like them. like i mean like the iranian um uh, yeah, the, the drone. Yeah, they use like a tomahawk. not even the drone. They like one of the things they use on ships is they just load up these like speedboats with no sh- no kidding tubes, and they just fire a bunch of rockets out of it. I mean, it, they have zero probability of hit with one, but when you get attacked by twenty of them, mm-hmm. dude, all you have to have is a couple the, uh, hit your ship, man. What was it the Russians used in World War Two? The babushkas. Yeah, well, I mean, Bushka rockets. You can uh, you can go Katusha. on YouTube. Katushka, Katushka, Babushka sounds like a drink yeah. or a grandma. Well, you go on. I'm thinking you go on YouTube and see the Iranian uh, Special yeah. Republican Guard using these boats mm-hmm. to sink freighters. Yeah, because they just they just. I mean, it's like the RPG sapper teams that uh, you know insurgents would use. It's like, dude, yeah, one guy is probably not a good. You can't take out a tank mm-hmm. with his RPG if he could even hit it. But you get ten of those dudes just sh- lobbing RPGs at a tank. Yeah, eventually it's gonna mm-hmm. they're gonna pierce through. And so, anyways, that's just to say, like, we're now gonna use high tech against very low tech mm-hmm. in some respects. If we're if the, is the scenario that you proposed is something that the Chinese would would execute, um, so it's just sapper teams. It's like, well, do I have approval yeah. to use this like massive? Anti-ship surface-to-surface yeah. missile. And that's why, <laughs> we, yeah. that's why we need to start issuing letters of mark to people again and just 
because we, we've done it before you know it's it's an old trick in the in the box but uh well we'd be the what is it the uh, east An- or east indian trading company yeah. <laughs> but no I mean, it's in the <laughs> constitution the like they company, can yeah. issue letters of mark to privateers basically so why not you know get uh those whale war guys <laughs> give them a letter of mark and tell them hey uh stop the whale fishing in the south china sea uh where they're really a problem is off the coast of somalia that's where i was reading about it anyway but, yeah yeah you know. yeah so then their second point, um, you know, if we're, you know, is obvious. Well, first, first point would be the tech. You know, mm-hmm. are we getting too high tech? And this is, uh, you know, uh, reducing warfare down to a mathematical equation. Second problem is uh, the discounting of combined arms maneuver. You know, EABO's firepower-based concept. Um, and under such a concept, tactical maneuver becomes irrelevant. Um, and th- that makes sense. I mean, you once you're in an ex- expeditionary advance base, you're in an expeditionary advance base. Like, I'm mm-hmm. not, I mean, literally, I'm not going to maneuver into a position of advantage because I'm on, I'm yeah. on this island. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Out. Yeah. I'm here. The, the next yeah. place is a 800 Another mile. island. Yeah, 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 it's like. yeah. <laughs> and guess what? There's already guys there. <laughs> yeah. so. so are we doing surfaces and gaps anymore, or are we just, yeah. yeah. You're it, looking at two non- it's uh, so yeah, and then um, and then the third is the security, and no. I think there's been multiple articles written about this. But yeah. like, even if even even if we fully re- fully realize the self sustainability and alternate energy sources, that part still confuses me. But I guess we'll get into that in the future. Well, I mean, I, I will say Marines are doing. I mean, you tell Marines to. Invent me something, they're going to invent you something. Yeah. You know? And so, it's actually pr- it's just, it's some pretty cool articles. Yeah, there's to some, read. like, uh, some of these islands are hide- tiny. I, like, I don't know how. But I mean, from solar, like, like water fur- purification, there's, um, yeah. you know, the they're looking at hydrogen. Well, then you got to refill your munitions, like, I guess. That's the yeah. issue, though. I mean, at yeah. some point, you're going to need to get a resupply, even yeah. if it's for mail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At some point, you've got somebody is going to have to reveal themselves. And then deliver this thing, and then that person's gonna have to reveal themselves to pick it up. Mm-hmm. And we're clearly not doing well in the gray zone right now, as we've seen in East Europe. So I don't know if you're gonna maintain this anonymity from an EAB standpoint. In, in, in this day and age, it's gonna be almost an, almost impossible. All it takes yeah. is a tweet from one of the locals yeah. saying. Hey, I just got a Coke from this cool Marine. Yeah. Like, really? Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Or Interesting. I just went on a nice the walk. Last Coke and there's you'll this, ever have. Like, Himars battery yeah. just like yeah. <laughs> there. I mean, uh, there's so many cases that you hear about. I mean, going all the way even back to the per- fir- you know the first Persian Gulf mm-hmm. War, where special forces teams were in place doing observation and reconnaissance and getting found by herders. Mm-hmm. And then not being able to do anything because it was a child hurting, you know. And so Actually, no, referring to that, you know, changing the pace. I remember when I was in ROTC, I had this uh, SF guy who was one of our cadres. And he said, like, that one movie where they see the herder and then, like, what do we do? Do we kill him and let him go? And uh, then lone survivor. Yeah. Survivor. Well, and then he's like, no, you just zip him and then, you know, c- call the mission quits because, you know, you've been opted. Take him with you. And then once you get, like, extracted, just cut him loose, like. Sorry, that was like one Which of it, the. But I think they I, did that. Then they, 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 they did exactly they, how they did in field, right? So that was it. Wasn't a made up movie. 
Well, wait, I, I so. didn't see that. Well, I thought they like. I don't they, think he got. I thought they let him go. For, I let him go, and then he like let the Taliban know, but like they were still there. They're like, oh, we can. Well, do, but they did. They didn't take him with them to the extract point. Yeah. But they did yeah. zip him. Yeah. Like, they. They. Yeah, you gotta take him with you. Yeah. So they. I think they cut him loose and then bailed, and mm-hmm. then the kid just made it down the hill fast enough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that they ended up. And I think there was a comm issue too, so they didn't mm-hmm. know where the extraction point was even going to be. Mm. They just knew that they were out. Like, mm-hmm. they did do that. Like, we're not. We're done doing recon. Anyways, that's a different. Mm-hmm. Watch Lone Survivor. Fantastic movie, or read the book because that yeah, was based on a real thing. Yeah. Um. Unbelievable. Uh. Both stories. Um. But that is to say, again, I think that highlights though maintaining your anonymity in this sort of environment is going to be extremely difficult, especially with the the various dimensions that we're operating in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, regardless of, of how, like, self-sustaining these are going to be, like, there's going to be, like, a, a big footprint regardless. Like, it's going to be spread wide, but I don't think mm-hmm. the individual footprints are that big, right? Like, Well, so, yeah, you have an MLR, right? Mm-hmm. So you have a regimental size unit that's supposed to basically mm-hmm. have the inti- – but, I mean, they're not going to be there forever. At some mm-hmm. point, they're going to have to do a rip toe, a, mm-hmm. a relief-in-place transfer of authority, even with another MLR. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know how you do that. Um, it's like I said. Even something as simple as getting mail, because mm-hmm. as soon as you get an email, guess what you can see is people logging on yep. to their Gmail, um, and all of a sudden you're like, energy signature just like on this island just gets really hot there for like mm-hmm. an hour, and then it dies down again. And then again, like, you know, we can't be so obtuse as to think that there aren't indigenous people. Or an entire societies mm-hmm. of living on these places already, and to think that we're going to be inta- be hidden from them, um, you know, I, I, I think about the old, you know, the like Vietnam, how many of the special forces guys end up starting to eat Vietnamese food because eating sea rats right. and stuff, mm-hmm. they could smell them. Yeah. Like just just by taking a dump, it was very obvious who was in the AO mm-hmm. now, or farting. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has a smell, right? And so you have to blend in like completely you know and this these are just this is a team sf guys you can try try to talk about a company size element or a platoon reinforced it's a lot man it's a lot to think about a lot to consider and i think that's marinus's point here is is that i don't know if we fully considered the ramifications of what this is going to mean uh doc doc doctrinally and from an application standpoint well, all right. yeah, Lots uh, to wrap your head around, but I think we're going to start wrapping this one up. We have been talking for an hour and just about five minutes, so um, lots to talk about. Read the article. Yeah. It's going to hit the shelves about mid-March. And it's already on the already on the website, website on the blog. And yep. then um, obviously read 1 through 18. 18 yep. is my fave. Uh, there you go. 18's on the shelf now, and then obviously you jump into the MCA archives on the website and yep. uh, pull up the others. So mca-marines.org slash blog, you'll find Maneuverous Papers number 19. All right. For uh, Will, Vic, and I'm Nick, though it, opinions are our opinions. They don't, respect, they don't reflect the MCA. Yeah. If you don't like it, yeah. email us. Also, yeah. if you do like it, uh, email write, us. Write let, well, email us or write letters to the editor or offer to come in. Like we are glad to uh, to get as many input as this as we can. Share, tell your friends, and give us five stars on iTunes, please. Because we got not five stars on iTunes. Some people didn't like our uh, oh, force design talk a few no. months ago. 
Um, that was a good one. I thought that was a good one. Yeah. People didn't listen to it. They just like. Oh, they just they're hating. Yeah, they're just they're hating, hating on it. Who the hell is gonna troll us? Like, <laughs> it's weird. We done anything. Someone went through and downloaded. Putin! Someone went through. <laughs> oh, that son of a bitch. Dude. Someone threw and downvoted all of our uh, I told you we're losing YouTube the gray videos at once. Like, it was stupid. But it's okay because oh we hide the dislikes. It's now. China. It's China and Russia. Yeah. Oh, well, if they want to bump our numbers up, I'm even, okay with yeah, it. Even the Marine Corps Association is losing the gray zone. <laughs> <laughs> all right, thanks. <laughs>